Welcome on in. This is Careless Whispers. You're listening to CLNS Media. My name is Matt Rory, and I am joined, as always, by Mr. Calvin Chamberlain. Calvin, it's a Friday night, and we're doing a show. What what kind of lives are we leading here? Uh, it's only 5 o'clock here on the West Coast. I'm good. We're coming, we're coming oh, right. Yeah. The West Coast, 5 o'clock. Uh-huh. So maybe I'm the big loser. I think you're good. People go out. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the streets close down at 11 p.m. in Boston. You'll have to, you'll have to tell me. But, <laughs> no, um, there are definitely yeah. going to be people out at this point. Actually, the one and only Nick Gelso asked me to come out and watch the game with him tonight. But I'm putting my uh, old man, my old man shoes on, and I am staying home after this show, regardless. It's a 9:30 p.m. start out here. I just. I can't do it anymore, man. It's it's old age is taking over. Old age. I'm 34. Like ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just like uh, five years younger than Nick, and he's out. Yeah, I know. It's it's bad. It's bad. But whatever. Sometimes on a Friday, I just want to hang. Hey, I hear you. I I do not feel. Uh, I don't let the days of the week tell me what to do. You know what I mean? I go out. <laughs> I feel like going out on Tuesday. I'm going out on Tuesday. It's a Friday, and I don't want to go out. I don't feel bad about it, you know. I'm, I'm not beholden to the week. I decide. I decide when I want. I like. To. I like but, it. I like what you're saying here. I like yeah. what you're putting down. And actually, if it was up to Nick, he probably wouldn't be going out either. He thought the game was at eight o'clock. So, uh, enjoy, enjoy that one, Mr. Gelso. Anyway, um, we didn't have a show on Tuesday, so here we are now. Why didn't we have a show on Tuesday? Oh, the World Series, of course. Yeah, I'm glad I watched that. Of course, Sorry, buddy. Condolences to your Dodgers. It was a hard-fought series. Yeah. Well, I have a few but, uh, That's not what we're here to talk about. You have a specific... Oh, we are going to talk about it there. Well, I know, but you have a specific topic as as far as the World Series is concerned. Uh, and it's not. it doesn't really revolve around the Dodgers, really. No. Well, it does because the Dodgers were sort of a big part of it. But I guess it's not Dodger-specific. You are right about that. Uh I guess we can get right into it, huh? For, well, for, first of all, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the Astros because yeah, the Astros won the, the World Series, and this, this may, you know, uh, sound like sour grapes, but I'm not intending it to sound like sour grapes. It was really just that I was I was watching uh, the World Series, and they sort of had a, a graph of, of, about how the Astros built their team, and you know, they showed, uh, you know, the, sort of their their draft of the last several years, and how they drafted Carlos Correa first overall. Uh, they drafted somebody else first overall that they traded for their closer, Ken Giles. Uh, they drafted Altuve second overall, I believe. And, and this was like you know three or four years in a row. And it just made me think, yeah, in, in those years, the Astros lost over 100 games every year and it, in, intentionally scrapped their payroll down to nothing to now build up this young team. Very, the Houston Astros are the Philadelphia 76ers. Trust the process. That's what, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> do, we, do we like the Astros? Like, should, should we respect what the Astros did? Think, um, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they did it pretty quickly. I think it's that Philadelphia has been trying to, to do it year after year. But, uh, yeah, the Astros were really bad for a few few seasons there. Uh, and it, Philadelphia has done it for a longer stretch, in my opinion. But 
it's I don't know if you don't like what Philly's doing, it's the same thing. You don't you shouldn't like what what Houston did. And as a as a fan in Boston, that wouldn't fly here. They, they really people wouldn't have stood for three 50 win seasons in a row before winning the World Series. Even though the Red Sox did come in last place uh, two out of three years in that stretch where they won a World Series in between, uh, that was not tolerated. And I mean, maybe for a year or two it was, but Farrell is gone now and there's reason reasons behind that. People around here would not have been okay with losing seasons like that just to get one World Series. So we'll see how long they can sustain it after the fact. If, if you have many years of winning, maybe then people's opinions will change. But for now, if it's just the, the one year, I, I, can't, I can't say that I would uh, be happy with that as a fan of that team. Great. They, they won 74 games, 76, and then 56, 55, 51, and 70. That's a seven-year stretch. So I'm, I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah, pretty bad. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, congrats to them. I, again, I know it's going to sound like sour grapes. I didn't even have this thought, you know, about the. I knew that they were bad and they turned it around, but but sort of at the time, I was I I was like, you know what? Because I know that they changed uh, some guys in their front office. They bought in Nolan Ryan, and I, I, to my mind, I was like, you know, credit to them. They drafted a lot of young guys. Their their lineup is terrifying. And so, like, yeah, they they actually outplayed the Dodgers in that World Series as well. I thought the Dodgers sort of not got lucky, but got some like timely hitting to to stay afloat in some of those games. And yeah, credit to them. Like, they won the World Series, but I I just feel a little bit I, I would be remiss if I didn't if I didn't bring up the fact that uh, I don't know the way they put themselves together was a little shady. But they got a lot of young likable players that I've definitely. That was the end of my session. Okay. Well, um, if if Sports Illustrated, if you take that for for whatever for gospel, I mean, they put the Astros on their cover back in 2014, saying they were going to win the World Series in 2017. So uh, people were even predicting that with the roster they had. So it's a little bit different in baseball. I mean, it's essentially the same thing as far as tearing it down and losing in the in the majors. But uh, th- people could predict that these these players would. I think you can say this. Up to Philadelphia. Uh, we've championships or, or one with a roster of up to seven or eight guys that actually are contributing game in, game out. Yeah, you need some star type of players, but um, it's tough to predict with just a guy like Embiid and Simmons right now. They definitely would need more pieces going forward. So maybe it's a little bit easier to predict in baseball. Sports Illustrated got it right, and the Astros are your champions. I feel like it's easier in basketball because baseball you need 25 guys. In basketball you need you know five guys. Basically. Yeah, but if, if they don't have those five guys, they only have a couple. Then I mean, what are you going to yeah. do? It seems as though well, the yeah, Astros, according to Sports Illustrated anyway, lined it up correctly three years ago, and here they are. That's true. Well, plus in baseball, you can uh, you can get the number one pick, and get that you know, like it's going to be three years before you know if that guy's even like the guy. You know, I know right. it like doesn't fall down in order of prospects. So I guess credit to them for drafting right, but it was a, a little bit shady. That being said, Rory, 
did you watch any of the World Series? Because I, I do want to talk a little bit about the nature of, of, of like what happened in these games. Did you watch it at all? If, you, if not, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I, w- I mean, I watched a couple of the, the games towards the end. I Honestly, I would turn them off before they were over for the most part because they were getting pretty late. Fair enough. And as we touched on in the beginning of the, the broadcast here, it's, I, I mean, I'm just – I can't do it anymore. I'm not staying up till 1, 2 a.m. to yeah. watch a baseball game. So, um, But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was it was compelling yeah. what I did watch. Look, I gave you Astros some credit, but I also kind of want to blame Dave Roberts. And I also sort of want to – I don't want to completely blame the movement, but there, there seems to be this movement in baseball. Like, I've, I've heard it time and again where, like, Okay, you can't let the starter see. Uh, you can't let the starter see the line, uh, an opposing team's lineup for the third time. So, have you heard about this? Because a bullpen arm will always be better, right? Yes. That's that's the, that's the idea. Supposedly. So you could, that's the yeah, idea, right? Supposedly. Is that the hitters are too yeah. good now, and they they will figure you out, and then got to get a fresh arm in there. So, yes, baseball's been moving towards this five to six inning starting pitcher thing, as opposed to complete games for many years now, actually. So, very idea makes plenty of sense to me in a vacuum, okay? And in, it, and the Dodgers used it to effect, to effect throughout the playoffs. The the only problem with the very is it doesn't make sense when you when you have to do it game in and game out. This is the reason why it'll never be a regular season thing because you still have you have to pitch guys if guys' arms arms get thrown out. You can do it every once in a while. You can't do it for a seven game series where there's only two games off. They played three days in a row in Houston. Then, you, know, you know what I mean? Then they come back for two games in Los Angeles. Brandon Morrow played all seven of it because he's the, the Dodgers' second-best reliever, played all seven of those games. Uh, Kenley Jansen played every game in which the Dodgers had a lead. Like, you the, the bullpen, because Dave Roberts was so insistent upon, like, you know, getting starters out, both of Rich Hill's starts, for example, he pitched less than five innings. One, he pitched four, four innings flat. The other one, he pitched four and two-thirds, okay? In both of those starts, he gave up one run in three hits and was not in trouble when he was lifted. And, and it was simply to go along with the idea that, like, yeah, he is a guy who, like, you know, doesn't rely on his fastball. And, like, the Dodgers do have a good bullpen. But you can't pitch a, a, the same guy seven times in a row and, and tell me that, like, the guy with his dead arm is going to be more effective than Rich Hill who's cruising at that point. That, to me, it, it was the difference in the series. At least like Verlander and, and the guys that, that A.J. Hinch was pitching, and some of that had to do with the fact that, like, yeah, they didn't have as good of a bullpen as the Dodgers, but just the fact that, like, they could pitch, or if they, he allowed them to pitch at least through the six. You know, give your starter six in, in that scenario, it just seemed like his bullpen, not that it was, like, much better than the Dodgers, but the, but the Dodgers guys were exhausted. They were, every game, every game, the starters pitched, like, four or five innings max. You Darvish in game seven, was terrible. I understand that he only pitched two innings, and then you know basically the relievers were fine after that. So I'm not even talking about Game Seven right now, but I just felt like in, I'm really talking about that 13-12 game where it was the it was the third game in a row in Houston. The, the, the relievers again because of what happened in Game Two uh, with Hill, which just they were just completely exhausted, and it didn't make sense to me to run them out there again that early with a guy who was cruising. Yeah, I mean that was the big. That's the big criticism of Dave Roberts is that he is he would, he would pull his pitches a little bit too early. And I mean even even when Rich Hill sort of got into uh, that jam 
Bases loaded. I think it was the sixth inning. Was that game six? Um, no, it's not the sixth inning. He didn't make. That's what I'm telling you. He did not get out of the fifth inning in any inning. In any. That was the fifth you know, inning. Okay, so yeah, either way. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like that's that. That was the that's the criticism. Is that why not let him at least try and get the next batter or something? But I guess he he was he was worried about it. He didn't want it to explode and have a grand slam just happen right in his face. But uh, and he and he pulled him. But I mean that's that was the criticism of him the entire series is that he he couldn't or he wasn't letting trusting his pitchers to finish the job. And um, I I mean I kind of agree with that criticism. Sometimes you got to let just let guys go out there. You you looked across the way and AJ Hinch is sort of just. At times you were you were wondering if he was even going to look to his bullpen, uh, but then he started kind of doing the same thing because some of his guys don't really have the the stamina to go the five or six seven innings. So I, either way, that's the way baseball is going. And yeah, but I, I feel like Hinch trusted his starters a little bit more than Dave Roberts did. I guess that's where I'm at. I don't even know that it's trust. I think it's just 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 this mentality that's been instilled because you hear like I think it's like the, the sabermetric idea that he's trying to run back of of like I said you know a reliever is going to be better and the relievers have been better for most of the year but he hasn't been and, and I, I guess that's why I would say I, I think it's because of that because it's not like the starters other than Darvish for the Dodgers were bad uh, you know Kershaw hit a wall in his second start but his first start he was awesome. Um, yeah, Rich Hill was was good in his two starts and was pulled early both both times. One one time in Houston when they didn't even have to necessarily pull him for a batter. It to me it seemed entirely built around the the, the concept that we're talking about, where the bullpen arms are are more valuable. And I'm, I might find that again. You know, I, in fact, I probably do in a one game situation. I just don't think you can stretch that out out of a, out of a whole series without taxing your bullpen unless it's a sweep or maybe a, maybe a four game series. Or five game, I guess it was in seven game series. But beyond that, it just it doesn't make sense to me. No, I mean, it, the further they get in these games, too, you only have a certain amount, number of pitchers, right? So if you start getting into extra innings, they really get themselves in trouble. And I mean, I guess you could say That's that they were they would leave that that long reliever to try and pitch a few innings in extra innings. But uh, I just it, it kind of to me the way it's going, it contradicts. I mean, it definitely contradicts historically what they do in baseball. And um, I just, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be able to make moves and take guys out after one batter and still be able to have enough arms in the bullpen to win games. And I, I think that's kind of what bit Dave Roberts as well. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, who knows what would have happened? Like I, I, I again, the, the Astros are a terrifying inning team. I just watched a, a bullpen that was dominant in earlier rounds, sort of, and, and it was still pretty good against the Astros at first, and then just sort of taxed over a period of time and worn down. And Dave Roberts was sort of because he went so early to his bullpen, was forced to pitch guys like Morrow again, you know, on, in his third game in a row when he promised Morrow wouldn't pitch, and you know, Kenley Jansen pitching two innings and then pitching two innings again the next night. I just it didn't make sense to me, and I guess I guess that's you know it is what it is. They'll they'll be good again next year. I'm not really complaining about it. It's just a strategic thing that I thought was interesting to talk about. But uh, yeah, that's it. We don't talk baseball that much here, so get get in a little, you know. All right, that's it.
the leadoff the leadoff discussion is baseball. There you have it. Uh, what's next? I guess we move to the Celtics now. Yeah, why don't we go to what, to what is normally a leadoff discussion, the Boston Celtics. <laughs> and and uh, actually that can lead us into, into Fake Rio because the, the first question about uh, about Fake Rio will be, are the Boston Celtics for real? Currently with the, the best record in the East, uh, I think tied for the best record in the NBA, but second best point differential. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get to that, Let's briefly touch again on, on Gordon Hayward. I know it feels like it's been six months now, right? Since Gordon Hayward's injury, it's because we didn't we didn't have a show. Yeah, for no weeks, kidding. Unfortunately, that's yeah. been a few weeks. But yeah, Gordon Gordon Hayward's down. Um, Ray, how did you feel when when it happened? I mean, that's a dumb question, but oh. I'm, I'm just wondering sort of. What, what was your immediate thought when Gordon Hayward went down? Yeah, I mean, we haven't had a sh- we te- typically haven't have our shows on Tuesday, so we didn't have a show that night. We didn't have a show, I think, the following week the Knicks were in town. We didn't have a show because of the, the uh, World Series, so we haven't talked about it on this show. Uh, we touched on it on the post-game show very briefly, so um, I, I, may as like- well, I may as well just uh, get it over with again and, and rehash it for quickly for anybody that, that didn't hear any of that. Basically, Calvin, I, I was in the other room, and I came back and saw him on the floor so I decided to rewind it and see what happened and that was my big mistake and for the, the rest of the half I barely was watching the game and I had just opened a beer I, it sat on the table for uh, at least 30 to 40 minutes I, I was drinking decided to drink water instead because I was feeling nauseous it was just I did not the reaction was poor and I can only imagine what it was like for him like that that's it's it's just it was seemed like a very horrible injury and then just a week or two later we saw something even worse in the NFL so um it's it's i don't know what to think about it but it, it seems like we this, this might be the year of the gruesome injury we'll see again we sort of talked about it uh, a little bit on that post game show but where were you at currently on the the whole blessing in disguise idea of like this team are you are you not blessing in disguise i i guess we sort of hashed that out but it couldn't really be that but are you of the mindset like if this team was not going to compete ultimately for for a title do you still do you still, i guess we're going to get to the cast take a real as well but does does the cap start like encourage you at all or encourage the notion that like hayward uh, might have made a difference in that series down the line, or does the Celtics start make you feel like, hey man, if this team's playing this well right now with these young guys progressing more than I could have projected, how good would we have been with Hayward? You know, all of those things combined, or do you think like maybe those guys would not be this good if Hayward was sort of in their way? Because I don't, I don't think that he would make that much of a difference. But I'm sort of, I'm getting that. Fee- I mean, not him, him being there in terms of. Uh, in terms of like how much they would progress, I think Jalen Brown was going to progress regardless. I think Tatum, Tatum sort of is what he is, and maybe, maybe their minutes would be less, so their numbers would be a little bit less. But I, I don't think that like as players that they would have a hard time playing with Hayward, especially because he's so he's so like all around and not necessarily somebody who you would have a hard time being on the floor with. Uh, I could easily see one of those guys playing a small ball four in a in a lineup. You know, two, three, four would be interesting. I don't really see how much it would hold back their development, but I, I've sort of been hearing that coming out of Boston. What, what do you thought? 
No, I, see, I, I just think that maybe they wouldn't have gotten as many minutes because he would be playing 30 to 35 minutes a game, obviously. Um, I'm not so sure it would affect their development, but I think that they will develop more now. I mean, I, I wouldn't think of it to be a negative thing if he was in the lineup, but it's it's probably a positive thing for them that they're getting a little bit more playing time. I still would have expected them to sort of develop well because they are in Brad Stevens' system, and I think that he puts players of he puts all of his players in the best position that they can to succeed and, and do well. So, um, I I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise. In disguise, like you said, we sort of hashed that all out. That that's not what we really meant when we were using that that phrase. Uh, but I also don't think that he would have, I still don't think he would have put them over the top and Cleveland start is awesome. This is great. I, I love it. Maybe the Celtics will have a, a decent chance of actually going to the NBA finals this year, but I still don't think that Gordon Hayward would have put them over the top to, to beat uh, golden state. So, or even, even a team like Houston or, uh, San Antonio went healthy. If they were to get there, I'd probably favor them uh, at, at this point as well. Even with Gordon Hayward, I just, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think that the Celtics would be able to sustain this play in the, this type of play in the playoffs, what we've seen for the last six games. Um, with that being said, they certainly look like they're ready to still be the number one seed in the East going in. And if Cleveland is faltering at all and they can't figure themselves out and Isaiah Thomas doesn't come back strong with that team, then maybe the Celtics are a legitimate NBA Finals contender here. Are you of the mindset that that matters at all, or are you one of the you know are you are you titled or nothing, or like is would you would you take any pride in the accomplishment of reaching the finals, or do you think like yeah, they might as well lose to the Cavs if they're not going to win at all? Out of curiosity. Uh, no, I think that you should take some pride in getting to the finals, and the same argument it. it could be said in the the NFL as far as talking about who the best quarterback of all time is. A lot of people uh, knock Brady for for getting to the Super Bowl and losing, whereas Joe Montana never lost the Super Bowl. Um, but to me, getting there is, is half the battle, right? I mean, if you get there, you're giving yourself a chance. And if it, I mean, so I, I think I'd rather get there and lose than not get there at all. I agree with that mindset. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I think the like the the farther you advance, the more it means. As far as I'm concerned, like I don't think like I don't think even though I've criticized James Harden for underperforming in the playoffs, and I still feel the same way. I still wouldn't I wouldn't talk about James James Harden in the same terms that I would, you know, Andrew Wiggins or somebody who hasn't even made the playoffs. But I think each each thing is its, its next level. I would only you know uh, hold it against Harden in comparison to somebody who's gotten farther. I, I think it's all it's all comparison based, you know, and I think there's there's a value in a team, especially the Celtics, who uh, are a young team and you know have had the, the Cavs blocking them for years. They could get past them, and it'll be interesting this year. Maybe the Cavs, yeah, t- t- it'll be it'll be interesting to see if this sort of Cavs collapse is real, which I guess I should ask you about right now since we're already 24 minutes in. Really, the Cavaliers are three and five. And more importantly, they're one of the league's five worst defensive teams right now. Is that real? Not yeah. Not that they're gonna miss the playoffs or be bad, but I guess I'm, what I'm asking you is: 
is this team really this bad defensively, or are they coasting right now? And is you know when LeBron decides that he's going to play defense, is that going to make the entire team improve, or do you think it's, it's real? And they're just not well. I don't think it's defense. just LeBron. I think that it's it's everybody trying to fit in. And I mean, we we saw firsthand Jay Crowder on a, a team that at times didn't trust each other defensively last year. And sometimes it would, over the past couple of years, even it would break down. Uh, I think that they'll, they'll get there. They'll be fine. They're not a bottom five defensive team. That's for sure. They're going to make the playoffs. That's for sure. So um, I'm not buying the start by them, but I am buying the fact that we've been talking about it for two or three years now. They're finally on their way out. They're finally, this is, this is it. They're, they're finally falling apart. And uh, LeBron James, whether maybe actually, Maybe I'm wrong with this. Maybe LeBron is just done in Cleveland. Maybe he will come back strong next season, wherever he, he decides to go, Los Angeles, and uh, will take his next team to a championship. But to me, I think you're, you're starting to see the de- decline of Cleveland, and uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see towards the end of the season and uh, getting through December and, and January, whether they, des- they decide to flip the switch or whether they're capable of flipping a switch. Because at some point, they're going to have to do it. They can't just be 500 the whole season uh, and, and make a run, I don't think. They, I think they're going to need some sort of home court advantage at some point. Because if they're playing a team like the Celtics in the first round, because they sneak into as the eight seed, which I don't believe they will do. I think they'll be better than that. Then they're going to be at a huge disadvantage. No, they're going to be a top four seed, I, I think. I'm... I'm... I'm sort of in the same category, and the reason I brought up LeBron earlier is because, like, I I think LeBron, unlike sort of some of the other guys on this team, LeBron is the guy who's, like, playing better defense and is not playing defense. Some of these other guys are just not good defenders anymore. You know, guys like Wade, maybe he can dial it up for a small stretch uh, of games, but even in the playoffs, you'll, I think you'll see defensive inconsistency out of, out of him. I guess Jay Crowder is a guy who I, I could expect to play better defense than he has this season. And so, like, maybe you can argue that he can dial it up. Uh, Jeff Green has, you know, cap- the capability to be a good defender at times, but he, his basketball IQ is so low that, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it. I feel like I'm seeing real decline out of J.R., uh, on that end of the, on the court, Love obviously is a guy who struggles to be an average defender. Everybody else, you know, Tristan Thompson, I don't know. He's maybe he's a guy who can dial it up, but LeBron seems to me. I, I don't, maybe it's just because of the last five years. I, I, I feel like he hasn't played defense in forever during the regular season, and I think that he's done and he manages to dial it up on that end. And maybe that's what he's doing right now, and he can make a difference for the entire team. But I do think, yeah, I do think we're starting to see their decline a little bit, and. Will they? I, I predicted them to get the number three seed. I think did I not? And I think that's uh, still about where I would expect them to end up. Yeah, I think I probably have to knock them back a little bit at this point, just because I'm so shocked by their start. They never started this poorly since LeBron's rookie season. So, um, but yeah, they they're going to have a home court series in the first round. They have to. All right. Well, let's. Uh, let me ask you this, Ray. Uh, Giannis has started 30, 32 points a game, basically, looking essentially like the best player in the NBA. Is that fake or real? Is, is Giannis now, is he, is, he, is he there? Is the coronation of Giannis completely shooting 60% right now, 
his PR, which is not that I hate, but I'm on ESPN, so it's an easy number, is almost 34. He ha- he's averaging uh, 10 and a half rebounds a game. He's he's insane right now. Can he keep this pace up? Um, no, this is fake. It's it's crazy the way he's playing right now. He has been just out of his mind, but I don't think that it's going to keep up. I think teams are going to focus in on him. They're going to find a way to uh, defend him a little bit better, and that's that's just I, that's just the way it goes in the NBA. I mean, sometimes you you get figured out. I, I don't think that he is really strong enough right now to just over overcome and overpower everybody in the entire league night in night out. Um, I think he will come back down to earth a little bit, but he's still going to be an MVP candidate by the end of the season. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that he's, he's not a superstar type of player. I think he's sort of crossed that threshold, but I don't think he's a lock for MVP like he looks to be right now. I don't think he's a lock to be MVP, mainly because the Bucks aren't that good. But I think, I think this season for Giannis is, is like, that, that Anthony Davis season that he had a couple years ago where he was, like, right there, but the Pelicans weren't any good, so he sort of finished in the top five of MVP uh, consideration, but he didn't get it. That's sort of, sort of what I see for Giannis is, like, I think he dominates the league. And the reason I do is I watch him play, you know, I watched him twice in those two Celtics games. Uh, I've seen him in another game or two, and it's just the ease of which he, like, he gets his arms over the top of people, and there's nothing you can do about it. There's nobody in the NBA who can defend him effectively because of the length of his body and, and the quickness. I don't – to me, it almost doesn't matter that he can't shoot. It's like he, he gets around anybody. So I, I, I guess where I'm at is I, I, I'm kind of real, but fake on, fake on him winning MVP, real on sort of these, these numbers. They'll come down a little bit, but I, I think he ends up with like a 29-point average this year. He's ready. It's his time. Right? Wow, almost 30. That's, all right, that's a bold yeah. – that's a bold uh, – prediction there. I'll have to wait and see on that. What about uh, guys who are right there? Third in the NBA scoring is Chris Stapps Porzingis. Mm. I think that's fake or real. Um, so I think that that's going to have to be real because who else is going to score on that team? And I think that NBA teams are going to be able to, they're going to realize that, that they can beat the Knicks and let Porzingis get his 30. Uh, so yeah, I think that that might be real, but just because of of the team that he's on, I, I don't I, I don't think that he uh, is is going to carry them to the playoffs or anything like that. But he he should be scoring in buckets because teams can ignore him and still win games because the Knicks have nothing else. Yeah, I agree for the sort of the sort of the same reason, except uh, a little bit even more than that is that they seem to have changed like so many of their offensive plays. Seem to either be designed to like move him off screens. So much, I, I mean, you know, addition by subtraction with, with Carmelo, whatever. It's more that like he seems to be involved in every play, either as a decoy or as like bringing him up for a jump shot or bringing him up to get to the rim. Uh, I, I just think that using his his usage rate is so much higher that like he, I don't think he'll end up third in the NBA in scoring, but he'll probably. I I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up top ten. It. I don't think I, I'm still. You know. I'm still not in love with him as a basketball player, even with with this start. I I think that he, I like him, but I I don't love him, and I I, I think 
I think his shooting numbers will come down a little bit. Now that they're, they're extremely high. But uh, what about a, a couple of surprise teams, right? Right there with the Celtics are, are the Orlando Magic. 8.1 point differential, 6-2. Are they for real? I So I want the Magic to be real, Calvin. I really do because I like what they have put together down there. I've always liked Vucevic. I've, I've been saying that I was hoping really? the Celtics would try and find a way to trade for him for years now. Um, but I just, I, I can't believe that it's true. I just can't. It, it just, it seems like every year they, they seem like they could be decent. They might be able to make the playoffs maybe. Uh, and it, I just, I never feel like it's true. But is this Frank Vogel's first year in Orlando or is he there last year? Let me see. No, he was there last year. He was there last year. He was year. there last year. Okay, so I do yeah. like Vogel as a coach, but um, I just I can't believe that Orlando is going to be this good at the end of the season. I just can't do it. And as I say that, I'm looking it up. They're losing to the Bulls by 10 right now in the third quarter. So if we're going to be analyzing the first eight games of the season, I will I will uh, mention that as well and say that if they don't pull this one out, then – I, I feel even more strongly like they won't be this good at the end of the season. Well, right now they're, they're second behind the Celtics in, in point differential uh, in the East. I, I I think that they're not for real at all. I'm just going to come right out and say it. They're scoring 115 points a game. You look at their team and tell me how they're going to keep scoring. That's crazy. They're behind only they're, they're behind only the Warriors right now in scoring. If you look at like all like basically across the board, their their guys are like hitting threes at a rate that they've never hit. Uh, Rusevic is hitting threes. He, he's never done that before. Albert Payton's been hurt. That helps having him out of the starting lineup, a guy that can't shoot. But now he's coming back, so it's going to create the drama of him wanting that position back. But Fournier's played so well. Uh, that they're gonna, that's already going to cause conflict. I just I don't think this team is that good. Aaron Gordon has been playing at like I don't want to say out of his mind, but Aaron Gordon has been playing really well, and I do like Aaron Gordon as a player. But like all of a sudden, he is is amazing at threes, and may, maybe that will carry over. It's just hard for me to think like all of these guys are going to keep hitting threes at the at the percentage that they have, and they're not they're not a good defensive team. So if that starts slipping at all then they're going to slip on the other end. I, I think that the Magic still end up out of the playoffs, uh, so I do not think they're real at all. Yeah, who have they even played? That's a good point about Peyton, too. Like he's, I think he's more of a headache than anything um, when he comes back. That that doesn't – I don't really necessarily make that – think that makes them a better team. But uh, who knows? Right. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this as I hedge my bet every time. Who have they played, you ask? They they beat the Cavaliers by That's right. 21. They beat, yes. they beat the Cavaliers by 21, and then they beat the Spurs by 27. Ah, so, the Spurs. Okay, well, the Celtics crushed the Spurs as well and lost to Cleveland during the game where Gordon Hayward went down. So you throw that one right out the window. I, I just – those two teams are, are reeling right now. I, I Orlando probably has some confidence, but – I would expect them to come back down to earth as well. And by earth, I mean out of the playoffs. The last two games were wins at uh, New Orleans and at Memphis. So it, it's not like they've, they, it's pretty it's good not wins. Like they've played a, 
Yeah, it's not like they played a crap schedule where you can say, like maybe a team like uh, like the Brooklyn Nets or somebody. I, I think they played a super easy schedule, if I remember correctly. But they've had some some decent games. Yeah, the Nets have played an easy schedule. Uh, all that being said, I think they're they're not for real. Let's see what what else do we have here? Not a lot of other ones. I guess the, the Pistons have been playing well. What are you at on them? Are you in or are you out? I think. I mean, I like the Pistons. I'm in on the Pistons as far as making the playoffs is concerned. I I feel bad for Avery Bradley. I'll say it that night in, night out. That he. I wish he was playing in literally any other city in the league. A bad team, good team. They could have shipped him. Oh, actually, maybe not Sacramento. And any city but Sacramento and Detroit, I would be happy with where Bradley is. Even Chicago, you know, like a, a franchise that has a, a decent history, unlike the Detroit Pistons, who have just always been slogging and just boring basketball. Even when the original Zeke, Isaiah Thomas, was there, I just – the Pistons are so boring, Calvin. I just – feel so bad for Bradley, but I think that they're going to win games and, and uh, make the playoffs for sure. I, I think I had them at like sixth or something when we did our, our preview. Rory, I have to say, uh, the reason, the main reason I brought them up is like, I feel, I feel the Avery Bradley effect on this team. And I don't know. Maybe, you know, I think we've, we've gone so far out of our way to like praise Brad Stevens over the last couple of years, but like, I watch. I, I feel what Avery Bradley's doing to this Pistons team. Like the second that he's got there, flying all over the floor, it seems like the Pistons are playing better defense. They're playing better team defense, and maybe that's not entirely him. But I've just been really impressed with him so far, uh, and that team. I, I do think that you know they're not. What are they at right now? Fourth. I mean, tied for fourth. But they're not going to be finished there. But I think they're they're good enough to be a playoff team. Um, yeah, they're five and three, and they're they're beating the Bucks right now. So good for them. Actually, Bradley's having a an excellent night against the Bucks. Seven to twelve, he's got twenty one points currently. Couple rebounds. Wait, can I? Uh... Okay, let me, let me. I'm gonna throw one more at you, Ray. Ma- Marshall Fultz, hmm. shoulder injury, Baker Rio. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that this is a real one, and I'm going to float a conspiracy theory that I just came up with on my own this afternoon. You know I love doing that. Markel Fultz got hurt in the Celtics uh, workout in the offseason. And Ainge knew about it and wanted to trade him. And Fultz didn't want to be picked lower than first, so he didn't tell anybody about it. And this is my conspiracy theory. Stamped Matt Rory approval. This is mine. I made it up. I'm taking it. Nobody else can have it. This is mine. And if it co- becomes true, then I told you so. I mean, we, we probably never know if it comes true, right? Right. Yeah, but I will. I will say this: this agent is look. The fact that this agent like made two different statements to me, maybe you want to put it on them, but I sort of put it on the Sixers because if Mark Campbell has a shoulder injury, then like, then why is he out there? Right, of if course. He has a shoulder injury that like that, that's bad to the degree that like he didn't he took zero threes uh, during the first like, four games or whatever that he played. Uh, he changed his free throw stroke. Apparently, did to, to, apparently you have, well depending on who you believe. Some people say it was because of the shoulder injury. Some people say he was just messing around. The Sixers say yep. they had nothing to do with it. 
but they still uh, they still I don't want to say allowed it to happen, but they still sort of you would think that they would have a little more influence on this guy who's like yet to have played for him or like had some thought on it. It's, it's said they sort of seemed oblivious, like oh he just showed up with this new form, so that's what it is now. You know what I mean? Like I, just just the incompetence of like their medical staff and their front office and like the communication between players. It, like the fact that they went through this with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and now Marcel Fultz, it's staggering to me. Oh, it's incompetent. It's it's totally foolish. How is it how is it possible to have another number one pick come into the season injured, or maybe not? You know, there's also there's the other conspiracy theory that like uh, that Marcel Fultz is just like didn't didn't play very well and like the team is covering for him. He changed his form. And it's bad, and so the team is covering for him now, which is like that's a ridiculous thought. I think he's probably injured, but I still don't see if he's injured how how they didn't know either didn't know or knew and like allowed him to play. Is it just because of the pressure that he's the number one pick? And but it's fine. It's like if Mark Fultz, it's worse that he played and looked so bad, and we weren't sure that it was injured because then it's like the Mark Fultz, the bus stuff starts up, and all of that is bad for his confidence. Not that it's yeah, it's not going to matter that much in the end if he balls out. But but now he was like coming, starting the season, coming off the bench. Simmons is calling himself the point guard. Like Fultz has to already be unhappy, right? Like how happy can this guy be in this scenario? Yeah, I mean he thought he was going to be the number one point guard for an up and coming team, and right from the start, right from the jump, he was he was not. And whether it's because of the injury or just because they like Simmons better, which I believe wholeheartedly that it's because. They like more because they like Simmons better, regardless of how injured he was at the beginning of the season. Um, well, really. I, I, and, and justifiably so, because I think Simmons is going to be the better player for sure. But I just I've never really bought into the Fultz thing. I don't know if it's because I am drinking the green Kool Aid and Danny Ainge decided he didn't like him, or or whether it's because I like what I've seen so far from Jason Tatum and guys like Darren Fox. Who are sort of lighting it? Who is lighting it up out out in Sacramento? Um, I just I think that Philadelphia botched it again. Well, the thing for me is Simmons is six ten. Like he, he, I don't know why you have to choose between Fultz and Simmons. The notion that Ben Simmons is a point guard, he's only nominally a point guard. You know what I mean? Like he gets a lot of assists. Sure, he needs a ball in his hands, but it's not. That was a whole. The whole thing about Fultz in, in draft reports was, like, how good off the ball can he be? Uh, well, I would bring that up when with, when talking about, you know, how they would have to trade Isaiah for Fultz. Celtics fans would tell me, like, oh, well, no, Fultz will be fine in catch-and-shoot scenarios or, like, or taking turns or, or whatever. I think it, at this point it matters more for – yeah, it's going to matter for usage rate, but it matters more defensively, right? And, and there's no world in which Ben Simmons and Fultz are going to defend the same – Type of players, anyway. So right. I don't, I don't see why that's even that big of a deal. But it seems like he's just been relegated to the bench. And I don't know. I they botched so many elements of this. It's fascinating to me, especially in the wake of like how well Tatum's playing. And it, it, part of it annoys me because of like, like Danny Ainge's proclamation that like supposedly they were going to take Tatum first anyway. Number one, no yeah. Buy, but it, yep. But it just you didn't believe so that, but I mean, I'm telling you, he knew something. He, there's something he saw in Fultz that he knew that this was not the way to go. This was not the guy that everybody thought he was. I don't know. The Fultz we're seeing now is not the Fultz we saw at all. So I don't know 
how much of that is help. I don't know how much of it is anything. And I don't, I don't, I don't want to be too, you know, quick to write off a guy who has played five games in his NBA season in which he's had an injury. He might easily still be the best player in this draft or not. You know, anybody might still be. So, I, I know we we did the post game show and you guys gave me crap for like not wanting to to come to immediate conclusions. I mean, I'm, I'm I still I still have conclusions about the way they've handled this and like the way he's looked so far. But in terms of like projecting what he's going to be, I'm I'm not even close to being there yet. Fair enough. I'm just going to jump on it and and, and uh, probably have a nice little roller coaster ride as I analyze him over the course of his career. Same thing with Lonzo Ball. Uh, we don't. I don't necessarily need to get into him right now, but I, I mean, why don't you tell me? Is he fake or is he real? Do you, do you like the start that he's gotten off to with a couple of big nights, close to triple doubles, and getting some double-digit assist numbers, and then other nights where he just basically is scoreless one time, and then other times where he can't even he can't crack ten. I know he's not a scorer. He's not there to score. He's there to distribute and do some other things. Do you like what you see from him, or, or or do you think that he was overrated coming in? Well, my my issue with him right now is is the fact that he's he shot terribly, and I I do think his shot, you know, I, I I'm I'm ready to say at this point like his shot might be an issue in terms of of being able to get him because I I know it's not the fact that he can't shoot because because in college he was taking. 40-foot threes, he, he, he had Steph Curry range with regularity. He would say you could, if anything, criticize, like, the range of some of his shot selection. So I don't think it's that he can't shoot. I just think that his shot is the, the slowness of his shot at this level. It might be, it, it seems to be an issue here. And, but I, I, think, I think it's beyond that even. I think it's mental because he's been getting some wide-open looks off of, uh, off of screens where he should be able to knock that shot down even with his slower release. And I've, I've seen him do it consistently in the past, but he, you know, through summer league, through however many games this, this is, he just hasn't shot well at all, and it's it's affecting him. It's a, I don't want to say that it's it's like the Rondo thing where he's just like totally unwilling to shoot. I think he he has <laughs> this because because the difference between Lonzo Ball and Rondo to me, I I think it's a, I, and I don't like a, see I'm looking for an alternate word to selfish. I don't think that it's selfishness and he needs to be more selfish. He needs to be more aggressive. But it, because he, the type of point guard he is, he passes the ball so fast. He doesn't hold the ball at the top of the key like most of the point guards. He passes it way he's a, he'll catch and shoot. He'll, he'll you know dribble and pass so quickly that he doesn't even he doesn't have the ball as much as almost any point guard in the NBA. The Lakers, if you if you look at like what's happening with the Lakers team right now, it's essentially like. Everyone's like they have like five or six guys scoring between like twelve and fifteen points a game. It's like every nobody's really dominating the ball in any respect, and I think some of that is is the Lonzo effect. But I I just think that he needs to he needs to be a little bit more of a point guard than than he is right now. It's a, a little bit less of a team player, I guess, is where I'm at. But not but not sort of fundamentally change who he is. I feel like that's a tough. Ask. It's a it's a tall order. It is. It's a balance, and I, I I still feel like he'll get there. I don't, uh, you know, based on sort of what I see. I, I will tell you that again, and I, I said it last year. You know, I said it at the time the trade happened that uh, that I liked D'Angelo Russell, and I'm, I still sort of 
feel I, I still sort of hate that we got rid of him because he's, he's balling out, and I feel like he is going to be a good player. And I think he so, is playing well this so far this year, so I'm a little. I kind of yeah, I kind of look at this as as a sort of Ricky Rubio type of situation where ball could go he could either go the Rondo route or he could go the Rubio route and what I mean by that is when Rubio got here he was touted as this this great young stud all world player but he needed to work on his shot right he was a pass first type of guy he's great defensively runs the ball not great defensively but I think that he if he puts the effort in he could be pretty good defensively. Um, but Rubio, as bad as of a shooter as he was, still showed the willingness to shoot. And he he, opened, he took open shots. He tried to get his shots off. Sometimes you would see him go two for 12 or, or one for nine or three for 15 or whatever, what have you. And he would still shoot him up because that's what, what he was told to do. And that's how you develop. And that's where you should be worried is if, if ball doesn't go that route and he goes the Rondo route where he just stops shooting altogether and doesn't get that confidence. Well, then he, he's not even going to be anywhere near magic Johnson, let alone uh, Ricky Rubio. So that's, uh, that's my take on that. One. I, will, I will say this. The, the thing that I'm least worried about with Lonzo is him losing confidence. Like, I don't think, I don't think that's really an option. I, I don't think it's a lack of confidence that's keeping him from shooting. Um, that particular game, he only took two shots. He's sort of been, been taking less shots, but I, I don't think it's because of confidence. I think it's because he's not he's, he doesn't have the ball in his hands enough. That's that's what it comes down to. You know, I, I I think he needs to, and some of that I think is on Luke Walton. I think Luke, it, I, I think Luke wants to run an offense where the Lakers push at, at all times, and that's that's great. And Lonzo is a good rebounding guard, and I think he'll, he'll continue to be. He's averaging, you know, seven rebounds a game right now as a point guard. That's great. Um, but I think, I, I think that for the Lakers to succeed, like just for him to develop, the Lakers aren't going to win this year regardless. I, I think that he has to shoot a little bit more, and hope, hopefully he will. Um, if he doesn't, again, I don't think it's confidence. I think it's it's just the nature of his game is is not instinctively to be the guy who wants to do that. And I think he has to fight that a little bit. All right. Fair enough. Is that it for uh, Fake or Real, I guess? That is it for Fake or Real. Um, So, real quick on some NBA things. Uh, So... There is a retired Navy commander who the Saints uh, NFL. You said you just said NBA yeah. again. You confused the hell out of me. Did I say NBA? It's NFL time, everybody. Let's let's party. Ray hates the NFL, as as you can tell by the disgusted tone of the voice. But guess what, Ray? We're, we've only got eight minutes left of the show. You can get through seven minutes or so of NFL. Perfect. Uh, Perfect timing. Yeah. So the Saints want to honor this retired uh, Navy veteran. The problem is the Navy veteran does not want to be honored by the Saints mm. because, yeah, he doesn't want to be honored by uh, the NFL or in, basically any team in the NFL because of the way they've, they've disrespected the anthem. But the thing about it, Marie, is that the Saints, they had one game in which players knelt during the anthem, but since then uh, the, the players have knelt uh, before the anthem started in a show of unity for which they've been booed, and then stood up during the anthem. So some Saints players are saying, well, we're not protesting during the anthem, 
mm-hmm. obviously, like you, your problem is with our message. You're booing. You're booing us and our message, and you're not booing the anthem. You're not booing because you're you're protective of the anthem. And this guy is wrong to reject the saints and the, their goodwill towards him. Mm-hmm. What do you what, do you have any thoughts on this? I mean, I I kind of agree with the players at this point. I mean, they had their one statement, and most teams actually throughout the league are standing for the anthem and because that's ex- exactly what they were not trying to do. They weren't trying to disrespect the anthem or the military or the flag or anything like that. They were trying to get a message across about how they felt uh, about certain issues in this country regarding race, regarding uh, police, regarding the president, regarding uh, any sort of political things that are going on right now that you that you can come up with there was probably a player in the nfl that was kneeling for that reason and and they all had their own reasons right it wasn't all one unified reason so to me that anybody that is complaining about them doing protests outside of the national anthem thing and disrespecting the anthem by not standing you're off base because these guys all have their reasons they're all legitimate reasons this country is 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 built on free speech and they catered to your, your demands, if you will, by not standing during the, or not kneeling during the, during the national anthem and doing it before the national anthem starts. And then going on to respect the flag, as you would put it, you, the general you out there that is complaining about the guys that are protesting uh, in the, the way that they see, see fit. I have no problem with it whatsoever. I, I never will. Ray, I'm with you 100. percent I think that uh, the, the Saints have a right to fire back here because, like, the, the whole thing was about just striking the flag, and now these guys are going out of it. Look, I, I understand that it that it originated as a, an anthem protest, but if someone wants to make a protest that's, that's adjacent to that, that because they feel like it'll it, it'll still get the attention that they want for whatever issue that they have. With, with, and then they managed to do that without disrespecting the flag at all. Like, you should acknowledge that, especially the fact that, like, that they're respecting the people. Like, by doing that, in, when they could kneel during the anthem, they're specifically request, uh, re- respecting the people who had a problem with them kneeling during the anthem in the first place. The only reason they're, they're doing it before is to is to respect other people and the fact that they have a problem with it. So the, the people who still, not even just this, this veteran, but the people who still want to boo them, who want to boo the players who want to come out and kneel in unison, like before the anthem starts and then stand for the anthem. Now you're, you're just, you're, you're, you're not being a, a good American. I, I, you're not being very respectful of, like, of other people and, and, you know, their issues and, and their freedom to express uh, problems that they have in this country. And yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I, I understand this guy is a, a Navy veteran and he's probably an older gentleman and he probably has, you know, a lot of feelings tied up into the anthem and the flag and, and things that have happened in this country. But at a certain point, you, you have to respect an individual's freedom as well. And it, it's disappointing to me that he made that decision. But I stand with the Saints on this issue. Yeah, I stand with the Saints too. And you know what? If he doesn't want to do it, he doesn't have to, obviously. And he can have plenty of reasons. Yeah. If, if he wants to focus on the one time that the Saints uh, – players disrespected the flag in his in his mind and then maybe that's reason enough for him to not to want to do that and that's fine but i would hope that he would acknowledge the fact that they 
have changed their approach uh, in response to people being offended, you know, and they still wanted to find a way to get the message across. Now they're doing it more respectfully. So you have, if you couldn't accept it before, I don't see any reason to accept, to not accept it. Now you have to accept it at this point. They're not disrespecting anyone. There's nothing going on that they're drawing attention away from when they're doing their protest. All right, I think that's going to do it. I was going to talk a little bit about NFL trades, but maybe we'll do that on uh, Tuesday, or maybe we won't. We'll see what's happening. NFL trades? Do you mean NFL uh, trades that happen and then they swap quarterbacks, but it's not actually a trade for the quarterback, and they, they actually just sign the quarterback because there's some sort of collusion going on? Is that what you're talking about? Wait, I don't know. What is that story? Is that, co- is that Coroplo? No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just spouting collusion, conspiracy theory, NFL talk again. It's fine. Leave Wait, me alone. Who's, who's the, I don't know the story. Who's the quarterback? Oh, no. It's it's Garoppolo going to San Francisco. The, uh, San Francisco that cutting Brian Hoyer and the Patriots signing oh. Hoyer Im- almost immediately. Oh, yeah, that aspect. Yeah, but they were going to cut Hoyer anyway once they made that trade. You, you think it was it was collusion in advance? Oh, I love this. We're going to have to get into this. See? I See, this, this, is what, this is the type of conspiracy theory yeah. that I'll throw out there at the end of a show. I, I don't yeah. mind I don't mind theorizing that Bill Belichick has colluded or, or something like that because I think every NFL team is colluding. And I just, no, I was, this looks I was, too I was, obvious, right? That, that is a great point. What I was most excited to talk about was the, the – uh, the, the failed Browns Bengals trade. I don't know if you heard that story, but that story is amazing. We'll have, we'll have ah, yes, the Tuesday. stupid Cleveland Browns celebrating before they actually landed the player. Idiots, dummies, yeah. and then Marvin Lewis, the coach of the Bengals, being happy that the trade did not go through. Like management was going to go against his wishes. Ugh. Both franchises are, are a mess, in my opinion. Anyway, we'll have to hit that next week or in a couple days, oh. I guess. Maybe we'll do a show on Tuesday. Yeah, huh? on Tuesday, for sure. All right. That's that's right. what we'll do then. That'll do it for us that's here good. on CLNS Media. It's Careless Whispers. Thanks for listening, everybody. Calvin, nice talking to you, bud. Yeah, good to hear your voice. Oh, that's Where's sweet. the music? Where's the end? Oh, there it's. <laughs> good night, everyone.